Revelation chapter 8, starting in verse 6. Now the seven angels who had seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up. And all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet. And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet. And a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. Verse 12, the fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. At the blast, of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you give us ample warning time and time and time and time again. Father, you are long-suffering, but we understand that your spirit won't always strive with men, that there is a limit There is a breaking point to your patience with mankind. Father, may we be those that would be wise to hear that still small voice and respond to the conviction you allow to come into our lives. May we repent and be reconciled back to you. May we live a lifestyle of reconciliation. May we never think ourselves above you in the sense that we could just live and think that we're, we're good to go. We're not good. Apart from you, we are wretched sinners. But in you, we are new creations in Christ. Help us to understand that this is a lifestyle and not just a one-time gig. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's a every moment of my life. Who am I putting first? And if we do find ourselves putting you first, Father, would you sustain us and help us to continue living out that lifestyle so that we may not only glorify you, but we may be a benefit to our brothers and sisters, not only in Christ and in the church, but in the world that need to be saved. Father, judgment is coming. No one gets away with anything they do. We are all accountable to you. And as your word says, woe to those who choose to rebel against you in that day. We already see the signs. We see it all over the place. Either we're going to choose to accept that this is your timeline or we're going to deny it and act like nothing's going on. But we see it's written on the wall. So, Father, please, would you have free reign in our hearts this morning? 
May the Holy Spirit help us to rightly divide your word and apply it to our lives. And may we see the benefit and the application of these warnings in your word this morning. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. I'm not going to lie. I mean, all the scripture is heavy, right? All the scripture really is heavy when, 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 you, when you understand what's at stake. The reality of someone's soul, the reality of your soul. And, uh, you know, this is a heavy portion of scripture. But the Holy Spirit will give us the ability, give myself the ability to unpack it in a way that we're going to see. We got to peel back layers, you know, because sensationalists will look at this and they're going to just get one thing out of it. But I'm here to tell you that there's something so much deeper than all of what seems to be just surface stuff that, you know, throws itself out at you. We'll do a quick review to catch us up to speed. So last week we took a look at the great half hour of silence that was in heaven before the seventh seal was popped open and unleashed upon the earth. How all of heaven was in great awe of the wrath of God, the perfect righteous judgment of God, the punishment that was going to come upon those who have continually rebelled against Jesus Christ. That's what these seven seals represent. That's what these seven trumpets represent. We, we learned that the prayers of, of, of the martyred saints had been answered with the swift judgment that was to come. Seven angels from heaven had been given seven trumpets to blow. And with each trumpet that was blown, it released a specific set of consequences that would fall upon the earth. And as each trumpet was blown, the judgments became more severe. Today, we will look at the first four trumpet blasts and how they will affect the earth and those who have chosen. You see, it's a choice. We're not robots. We're not made to serve. We're not made to do anything. We have free will. But those who have chosen to live apart from Jesus Christ and refuse him as Savior and Lord of their lives. These are the ones who will be affected by these trumpet blasts. We have several main points. And the first one this morning is this. Even in the releasing of the seven sealed judgments, the Lord takes no pleasure in punishing the wicked. But he has to because he is holy. You see, I was talking about the heaviness of this portion of scripture. And, and this week as I read through this portion, it was very challenging for me. I was very challenged by this. Because I'm, I'm not no seminary student. I'm not no Bible scholar. I'm just a regular dude. I'm just a regular dude who got saved by Christ. And when I, when I was going through these verses on the surface, what seemed to jump off the pages was all of the horrible physical catastrophes that will take place. That's what I kept seeing. Hail, blood falling, a third of the water being destroyed. All the grass being destroyed. And as these trumpets are blown, the destruction of the environment upon the earth became deadlier and deadlier. But as I, I prayed and I began to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need your vision. Show me what, 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 what is in, what is, what is the, the main point of this? 
The Lord brought me to something that I had missed my first few readings of this passage. You see, in every trumpet blast, only one third of the earth was destroyed. What I came to understand was this. Our God, our Heavenly Father, is so merciful. He is so patient. He is so long-suffering with perfect righteous love that even in the midst of this final seal being unleashed upon the earth, He is giving yet another chance for people to repent. That's mind-blowing to me. But that's the heart of this passage. It's not the sensationalism of all of these things happening. Those are judgment of God. Yes, they are important, but what is the heart of it? And that's what the Lord showed me. You see, the reality is this. God Almighty doesn't need to waste his time with the scroll containing seven seals. He could easily destroy this whole planet with one swipe of his finger. You know how you have an iPhone and you swipe tabs tabs to get rid of them? (laughs) Just like that. He could just wipe out this entire planet. This whole universe with one swipe of his finger. But yet, in his great mercy and his great grace, he administers righteous judgment slowly in an attempt for wicked people to realize the severity of their circumstances and turn back to him. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23 says, I have, excuse me, have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? You see, God has been pleading and interceding on the behalf of souls, the souls of humankind. And his desire is that none perish. He wants to see people come to repentance. He wants to see people restored in the fashion they were created to have relationship with him, to commune with him as a lifestyle. But here in our portion of scripture, now he turns his judgment to the world, pouring out his wrath upon those who would not receive Jesus Christ as their savior. But remember, this is why some will not repent even when things get really bad in their lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 basically tells us the gospel is sweet to those who are saved, but it is the fragrance of death to those who are perishing. You see that? And, and, that, and that's the thing. The, the word of God is either going to Chisel up and soften your heart when you sense conviction and you will act upon that conviction and humble yourself and ask for forgiveness. Or you're going to harden your heart when you hear that you need to be saved. Or you're going to harden your heart when the Holy Spirit shows you you're a sinner. You see, that's such a naughty word in the Christian world. In religion, nobody wants to hear sin. They don't want to hear, I'm a sinner. I'll tell you right now, as your pastor, I'm a straight up sinner. I'm a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. But never make the mistake of thinking you're not a sinner. That that, that reality humbles us and shows us that we need help. So many people don't want to ask for help. They think they can do it on their own. 
You can't work to earn God's favor. All you could do is throw yourself upon the mercy seat and ask for forgiveness. The good thing is he grants it and he grants it over and over and over and over. It never ends. His grace and mercy are forever. If you're willing to ask for it wholeheartedly, it's all about the intent. What are your intentions? Do you have the right intentions? If your intentions aren't pure, then sure you're not going to be forgiven because you're not coming to him in the right manner. But if you come to God in the right manner, oh my goodness, he has so much love for you and me. You know, I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm fired up because, I, because I'm, it's been revealed to me and I understand the severity of what's going on. I see it all across every day of my life. It's not a joke. It's so real. It's so real. And we're here for a reason. We've been given a purpose to share the love of Jesus Christ to those around us. And I'll get into it later. I had a great experience yesterday afternoon. Me and my wife did. And we saw the hand of God move in a mighty way. The second main point is this. Because we hear the Lord Jesus Christ's voice clearly today. We are accountable for the warning that we have received. As we study through these first four trumpets being blown, we see scripture reveal extremely graphic events that will forever alter the earth and those living in it at that time. These are unprecedented events that will break down this world little by little until those who oppose Jesus Christ are brought to dust and Satan is brought to, to dust and his minions and his demons. While we have not seen every prophetic event in this portion of scriptural being fulfilled yet, things are very well on their way to happening. I have a couple facts, and I think I'm using these to paint this picture to show you this is not whimsical. This is just not some made-up Hollywood script. These are real things. If you just look out into the world today in all areas of this globe we live on, and things are happening at a rapid pace, and they're not slowing down. It's only going faster and faster. Just take, for instance, the rainforest in South America. Of the approximately 14.5 million square kilometers of tropical rainforest that once covered Earth's surface, only 36% remained intact. Just over a third, 34% is completely gone. And at least 30% is in various forms of degradation. Of the current rainforest cover, almost half, 45% is in a degraded state. And this is from a study back in September 3rd, 2021. You want to look at the wildfires Wildfire season in California and Oregon last year. In California, as of December 16, 2021, a total of 8,619 fires were recorded, burning a whopping 2,569,009 acres across the state. In 2021, Oregon wildfires, more than 1,000 fires have burned, and at least 518,303 acres across the state were burned as of July 21st. You want to take it to tornadoes. 1,376 tornadoes were reported in the United States in 2021, a higher average than normal. In the final month of the year, there were 193 confirmed tornadoes, the largest number for any on record in December. 
I share this information because it's clear that things are not going well with the earth. Don't believe Mother Earth, Father Time, but the earth, things are not going well with the physical planet. Sin affects everything. And when unrepented sinners continue to live as they please, this causes consequences that affect not only them, but their environment. You don't believe me? Look at Isaiah chapter 24, verse 5. The earth, it says, the earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broken his everlasting covenant. And when you look at society, what do you see? You see a heavy amount of disregard for God. In our own country, what are we doing? You get rid of God and the Pledge of Allegiance. Then you get rid of the Pledge of Allegiance in entirety. And before you, they got rid of God and the Pledge of Allegiance, they got rid of prayer in the schools, saying it's not a good thing. They got rid of the Ten Commandments in the courtroom. So why do you have a Bible and why do you say, I solemnly swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, when you don't have the Ten Commandments there? Because the Ten Commandments are convicting. We know this. As the church, we know the Ten Commandments. No, we can't, keep the, we can't keep one commandment. We can't even keep a third of one commandment. But the reality is the commandments are meant to push us towards Jesus because he's the one that can redeem us and save us. Amen? Amen. But we see this. Man, it's so sad. It's so sad that, that this is where we're heading. And it's not going to stop because we're on, the, we're on God's timeline for Jesus to return. So in a way... It's a blessing. It's a blessing if you're saved. It's a blessing if you know the truth. But if you don't know God, yeah, you better be scared. You better be shivering in your boots. All the Bitcoin in the world ain't going to save you. You can build all kind of stuff on, on Mars and that's not going to save you. <laughs> and they're trying they try to, they try to, they try to do all they can to salvage this life. But this life is, is it's, it's, it's bleeding away. It's going away. So if it's going away, may we be in the right state of mind while we're going and knowing that we're going to be with him. Amen. It's only depressing depending on our perspective, <laughs> right? If your perspective is messed up, you're going to be super depressed by, by that information. But if you're, if you're, if you're focused and you're conscious on Jesus Christ, you're just understanding. Okay. Yes, Lord, man, it's crazy. It's crazy that, that I'm literally seeing sin affect the world, the world around me. And that's what's happening. You see, we are daily giving glimpses of the consequences of sin. And what I truly believe is going on is God is slowly peeling back his provisions from the earth in preparation to judge Satan and people who align themselves with him for their rebellious lifestyles. You see, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we must continue to repent Live a lifestyle of repentance and continue to live lives that are witnesses of his great mercy and grace to an unbelieving world. Be, again, because God's desire is that none perish but all come to repentance. So for us today, we have no excuse since the eyes of our hearts have been opened and we clearly see who Jesus Christ is and why he has come. That's the second main point. The third main point is this. If these first four trumpet blasts won't get sinners to repent, they will be lost. This is like the last, this is like the last straw. God's like giving another lifeline. He's saying, look, man, I'm only destroying a third of this earth. <laughs> and if you live through this and you don't repent, 
You've, you've made your choice. You've aligned yourself with who you want to live for. And he's disregarding people after that point. You see, because the circumstances are only going to get worse. You would expect when things go terribly wrong in a person's life, at some point they would stop and assess what is happening. Man, why, 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 why are things falling apart around me? What is going on? I need to stop and figure out why is this happening? But the Bible is clear. There will be those who are stiff-necked and will be broken beyond repair. They're going to refuse. They're not going to see the signs. They're going to just plunge ahead. And this is exactly what will happen to those who are alive during this time that choose to just, again, put their heads down and plunge forward or bury their heads in the sand like an ostrich and act like nothing's going on and nothing's wrong. And they're going to continue to live their lives the way they want to, worshiping demons and worshiping false gods and worshiping religion instead of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is typical of those who deliberately choose disobedience to Jesus Christ and have chosen to worship mammon. In biblical culture, the word mammon often carries a negative connotation. It was something used to describe all kind of lusts in excess, gluttony, greed, dishonest gain, and worldly gain. Ultimately, mammon describes an idol of materialism, which many trusted as a foundation for their world and for their philosophy, for the philosophy, their worldview. The worship of mammon can show up in many ways. It isn't always as though it's a continual lust for more money. When we envy others' wealth, when we're anxious over potential unmet needs, when we disobey God's directives about the use of wealth or fail to trust God's love and faithfulness, our thinking is out of balance concerning material wealth and material things. And this is what the people who oppose Jesus Christ will be doing in those days. And they're going to suffer severe consequences. Remember, several weeks back, there's going to be some people that aren't affected by what's going on. And they're still going to have oil and they're still going to have bread. But they're going to be looking to the world system. That's the whole thing about those who are going to choose to take the mark of the beast. Because they, they need to eat so bad. Physically, But we know that Jesus Christ said what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of his mouth. It's not just physical. And we can't find ourselves in a position where we're just going out for worldly gain or for physical pleasures or yet for physical needs. Spiritual needs are far more important. All right, let's go ahead and look at verse 6. Now the seven angels who had seven had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. We waited for the seven seals to be opened and saw them loosed by one by one. But when the seventh seal was finally loosened, the end did not immediately come. It set in motion these seven trumpets that would sound upon the earth. This verse tells us that the seven angels holding these seven trumpets prepared to blow them. Now we do not know whether or not the Apostle John saw this in uh, preparation as literal or witnessed the actual motion of angels raising the trumpet to their mouths. In considering how these seals and trumpets relate to one another, some believe that they may be poetic and repetitive. And John's descriptions, he describes these same events with different words and details in both the seal and the trumpet judgments. And this is typical of John's method. 
He goes over and over the ground again and again, each time revealing something new to us. You see, there is so much to the end that we can't really take it all in at once. Every series of visions brings new facets of it. What we do know, however, is that they, that preparation is always in order before we do God's will. I have some examples. The first one is this. Moses' preparation to lead the people of Israel through the Negev involved 40 years of shepherding his herd in the land. Joshua preparing to lead the Hebrews into the promised land and was commanded to meditate and obey God's word. You can read about that in Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 9. Jesus preparing for his work of redemption. He, he did that by praying. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 26 verses 30 down through 46. The disciples prepared for the task of proclaiming the gospel in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And by praying, that's Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. The apostle Paul prepared for the task of preaching the gospel by spending three years in the Arabian desert. You can read that in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 down through 24. And these upcoming judgments, judgments, excuse me, are part of an ever-increasing tide of trouble on the earth, which is why they are referred to as the tribulation. But there is a preparation before this takes place. And that's what goes on with these, uh, with these angels and, and the trumpets. They're being prepared before, they let, uh, before God lets loose through the blast these judgments upon the earth. Okay, Revelation chapter 8 verse 7. And it says, The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown down upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all Green grass had burned up. We see this first statement. Hail and fire followed mingled with blood. This judgment bears many similarities to the seventh plague in Egypt. Exodus chapter 9 verses 23 and 24 reads, Then Moses stretched out his staff towards heaven and the Lord sent Thunder and hail and fire ran down to the earth, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such as had never been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Blood. It may indicate the color or the result of of the phenomenon described to us here. We don't know if the hail and fire was red in color or if it brought forth red blood. But one way or another, this should be understood straightforward without diving into some kind of creative symbolism. A third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. You see, because of this hail and fire, trees and grass are destroyed. One third of the vegetation of the planet will be burned up during the Great Tribulation. Well, how will this happen? Many wonder if it will happen through nuclear war. You could clearly see that's a possibility. Pollution or meteors. These ideas are all interesting and possible, but they should never cover the essential truth. And the truth is this. God brings judgment. He isn't a passive bystander. This isn't nature taking its course, as some would allow you to believe or lead you to believe with global warming and all this other stuff. No, it's not that at all. That's just a cover-up for the truth. 
It is God's judgment upon this earth. God may use whatever method he desires to bring about judgment. But people on earth know these events are from God and do not think them to be merely natural disasters. When this time happens, when it's this time in history, it's not going to be, it was global warming. No, it's clearly the hand of God coming upon this earth, administering righteous judgment because of wickedness of men who choose to rebel against the holy and true and living God. Revelation chapter 16 verse 9 tells us, they were scorched by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. And that's so sad. I don't, I don't take pleasure in speaking this. Because, wow, what, what would, it just, it boggles my mind. How could you be in such a degraded state, such a degraded state, and you just choose to curse God? What is wrong with someone's mind? What is wrong with someone's heart? If, they, if something this bad can happen to them and they just curse God instead of recognizing the true greatness of who he is and submitting to him and asking for forgiveness. If you have conviction in your heart today, man, you better praise God for that. You better praise God for the conviction that falls upon you because your conscience is not seared. So many people's consciences are so seared they can do whatever and it doesn't matter. We see it all the time. People running up and killing people in cold blood. Snatching up babies and doing God knows what with them horrible things. Doing all kind of horrible, horrendous business deals under the table. Lying straight to the public. Holding Bibles in their hands. Professing that they're Christians, but they're leading dens of Satan. They're not churches of God. They're, they're demons teaching in place of true biblical teachers. And they do this because their consciences are seared. They don't even sense conviction the slightest bit anymore. That's so sad. And for us, we, we want to make sure that we're even killed. And that we're like, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that I, I can't get away with eating a cookie. I don't even want to get into that conversation. But there, <laughs> there was some, well, I'll get into it real quick. I, was, I brought home a cookie for my wife. I had two cookies I brought home from work. And, I, and, and you know. I got something special for you, put on top of the, 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 the refrigerator, and a day went by, I didn't eat them, and then, you know, I came home Friday, and, and Kalos did a good job, and I forgot that I told my wife I was going to give her that cookie, and I said, hey, Kalos, I got this big cookie for you from Panera, man, have it, and then, you know, I, I got comfortable, and <laughs> made some coffee, and I sat down in the living room, I grabbed the other cookie, <laughs> I ate the cookie, <laughs> and later on in the night, Veronica said, those co- our cookies still on the, <laughs> on the refrigerator. And I, you know, I couldn't even lie. I said, I, I said I'm sorry. I, t- I totally messed up. I forgot. And she was, she was heated for a minute. She's like, man, you sided with our son over me. You, you didn't keep your word to me. You gave it to him. You know, and the Lord, and the Lord convicted me. It's something as silly as hell. But I, I, I use that illustration. But it's just the fact that by, my conscience wasn't seared. It's like I, I, I was guilty and I recognized it and I felt bad and I repented. And I was sorry for what I did. You know, you don't ever want to lose that. You don't ever want to get to the place where you could just do stuff. I don't care. Doesn't bother me. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Okay. You got the short end of the stick, but hey, I'm over here and I'm doing my thing. That's not good. That's not, that's not good. But a large part of the world, they live like this and, and they don't care. And it's so sad. It's so sad. Okay. 
Back to the main point. Of all of this, we must not miss out on this one important fact. Each of the trumpet judgments which result in death, one third of the population receives the judgment and will perish. One third of the trees is burned up here. One third of the earth is burned up. One third of the sea will become blood in Revelation chapter 8 verse 8. A third of the sea creatures and the ships will be destroyed in in Revelation chapter 8 verse 9. One third of the rivers are going to be polluted in the upcoming verses. One third of the sunlight and moonlight and starlight will be affected. Excuse me. And, And a third of mankind will be killed. A third means a great part, but not the major part. We must understand and emphasize here and understand that in the wrath of God, he still remembers mercy. And that while he humbles all, he does not completely destroy. And this is so important. And what I want to share with you. So yesterday, um, we went to a memorial for one of Veronica's great aunts. She passed away about a week and a half ago. And my wife was prepared to share. And thank you for the ladies that prayed for no rain during that time. Uh, we had tarps and all that. And it, and it, and it didn't rain for, for a portion of the time we were there. And then it started raining pretty heavy. But, um, you know, it was, a great, it was a great time. We saw the hand of the Lord heavily move. And so, um, you know, my wife was just going to share. And I was there to support her. And then one of her, one of her grandma's sisters said, oh, your, your husband's a pastor. I'm, I'm excited to hear him speak. And she's like, uh, who'd you hear that from? My husband's not going to speak. <laughs> I'm just going to speak, you know. Veronica said that. And then, you know, anyways, long story short, she came to me and, and said, um, you know, would you mind closing in prayer? And I said, sure. I said, sure. You know, and, and I had not, I wasn't sitting up in the middle of the night trying to pray about what the Lord's going to show. I had no intention of speaking at all. I said, you know, babe, this is all you. I'm there to support you. It's all good. But nonetheless, you know, we have both shared. And it was a beautiful thing because after that, the remainder of the time that we were there, um, you know, I, I had at least five different conversations with people that the word of God went out and people came up to me and they were convicted. And it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit sharing the message through me. But they asked for prayer, and I prayed for them. And you saw just people in all different states where they're like, they need Jesus, you know. And, and, and it was a beautiful thing because I had shared with the group, I said, just the fact that you guys are here, this is God's mercy and grace. Because there's going to come a time when our family members die if we're still here And we're not going to be having services and all that. It's not going to be like that. You think about the people that are in Ukraine right now. People are dying and they can't bury their loved ones. They can't have a memorial service for their loved ones. They're fleeing just to survive themselves. And so for this family to be able to come together on a rainy Saturday afternoon and remember their loved one who was a believer in Christ, and these are the things we believe she would want to be said, is that time is short. God's desire is that none perish, but everyone come to repentance. Understand it's not about religion. Understand it's not about what you do. It's about a relationship. And that's the message that went out. But it was just so, so great. It was so powerful because we literally saw God's hand move over that whole place. And we saw the enemy at work too. There was one individual who shared about they went to a medium and this and that. And after her son had died and she knows that this stuff is true because the medium told her all kind of stuff and there was crying. And, you know, it is what it is. We didn't, neither of us felt led to take her up on it or anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't the time. The Holy Spirit didn't show us that. But you see both sides of the battle. 
going on. And I had never spoken at a memorial service before. So I, again, like I said, I'm not some learned person. You know, I'm just a regular dude who loves Jesus. And it was just crazy to see God's hand move in such a powerful way. All right. Revelation chapter eight, verses eight and nine. The second angel blew his trumpet. And something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. We see this something like a great mountain. John carefully said that this is not an actual mountain. Note the use of like, but it was a blazing mass as large as a mountain. This could possibly be a meteor or an asteroid falling into the sea and bringing ecological disaster. I'll share with you just a segment or a title from an article from the Jerusalem Post, excuse me, from January 15th, 2022. Rumors of a huge asteroid heading our way. And the, uh, and the title read this, Large Asteroid Stronger Than a Nuke Heading Towards Earth Late January. It said that 2017 XC-63 is estimated to be as much as 190 meters long, similar to the, Kuns- the Kunskiga, if I'm, not, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, excuse me, asteroid, meaning it would be far more powerful than a nuclear bomb. Fortunately, an impact is unlikely. Now, this obviously didn't happen, but just like the examples earlier of the wildfires and hurricanes, the possibilities of this happening are real. Again, we must remember the Lord uses whatever means he chooses to get through to us. When this happens, Again, it will not be any kind of natural disaster. It will be the righteous judgment of God falling upon this earth. The same way that God allows evil people to commit evil acts, God allows the earth to reflect the consequences sin has on creation. Romans chapter 8 verse 19 down through 21 tells us this. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So we see here clearly in Scripture, sin mars everything. You know, sin mars everything. It just destroys, it corrupts, it erodes. And it, it doesn't please God. I mean, this is his creation. He's like, man, I created this earth. I made this earth beautiful. Sinful man, what do we do? We destroy it. And what do we do? We just put up more buildings. <laughs> God's like, I don't need your clay structures. You know, it's, it makes me think of... Uh, you know, uh, the Tower of Babel. And we thought we were so mighty that, you know, we're going to build this structure and reach the heavens to, de- to declare our greatness. And God's like, dude, this is a footstool. What are you guys doing? Find your hope and your peace in him. And you're not going to be striving to be great. He'll make you great in the sense of your servitude and your humility to him. He, he elevates those who hum- or humble themselves. He elevates them. Why? Do they deserve to be elevated? No, but be he he because he can trust you with having a position of some kind of influence or authority because he knows you're not going to abuse it. 
And that's the whole idea of keeping short accounts with God daily. That's the whole idea of repenting daily. It's a lifestyle. Going before God, it's a lifestyle. Giving him the first fruits of your time, it's a lifestyle. Don't give him the leftovers. He doesn't want the scraps. He wants the best of you. He wants the best of me. And I can guarantee you, if you give him the best of you and the first fruits of your time, you're always going to be filled. He's always going to do beyond what you could imagine. And you're going to be blown away. You will be. I am all the time. But that's how it has to go. He, he has to take precedence beyond, your, beyond what you want, beyond what you desire. He'll exchange your desires for his And you're going to start loving people. And loving people is going to supersede getting things. I'm not going to lie. I struggle with that. I struggle with materialism and things of that nature. And the Lord's constantly like, man, you need to love people. Love people like my son loves people. And then it's like, it doesn't matter. That's what happened with Solomon. Solomon asked for wisdom. And I'm not saying if you ask for wisdom, he's going to grant you all this stuff. But he knew that Solomon could be trusted because his heart was in the right place. Our hearts need to be in the right place. Our hearts need to be in the right place. It says here that everything in creation is subject to frustration and decay. Sin is the ultimate cause of natural disasters, just as in the cause of death, disease, and suffering. We see next that it says a third of the sea became blood. This disaster is a catechism or cali- cat- <laughs> what I say catechism is that's something when, you know I'm not going to get into it but okay that's a religious thing no we're not talking about that it's what Daniel just said it's basically it's going to be destruction is going to be crazy right perhaps again a meteor that crashes into the sea as a re- result of some great oceanic upheaval and some kind of residual pollution that's what's going to go on right here Researchers today say that this sort of phenomenon has happened before in the history of the earth, sometimes resulting in great ecological destruction or disaster. Here the result is a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships became destroyed. The blood may be either the cause or the effect of widespread death in the oceans of the world. I mean, you can only imagine how devastating this will be. Immediately when I thought about this, I thought about those who live in the South Pacific, how heavily they rely upon the ocean for their food and for commerce and things of that nature. That's all going to be gone. That's all going to be eradicated because a third of the waters is going to be destroyed. Also, we see that the sea may be a specific reference to the Mediterranean and not references to all oceans. In the world that the Apostle John lived in, the Mediterranean Sea was the sea, and they really had no little knowledge of other oceans. So we don't know this, and I'm not no learned Bible scholar to tell you this is exactly what's happening. I'm just sharing with you what the Lord has revealed to me. The application is this. Repent because the consequences of a lifestyle of sin is death. That is the bottom line. We are given foreknowledge of the judgment to come in order to prepare our own hearts and to warn others. Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 17 down through 21 tells us, Son of man, have I made you a watchman for the house of Israel? Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give 
them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin. And his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning and you will have delivered your soul. You see how we're so responsible. We're so responsible. We can't just say, oh, it's just me. (laughs) Because God's going to be like, well, what about your family members? What about the people at work? What about the people that you met, that you saw, that you... If we make contact with people, and I get it. Sometimes we're going through life and you can't stop for every person. I'm not saying that. But led by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit's leading you to speak into someone's life or to do something or to make some kind of gesture, we got to do it. Because we're quick to give somebody the bird on the freeway when we get cut off. That's making a gesture. We don't think twice about that. But then when it comes to a righteous act, we're like, oh, I'm so scared. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Oh, they're going to think I'm a weenie because I'm a Christian. And I don't know. They just, they, 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 it says, it says coexist on the back of their bumper, on their bumper. And I don't know how to deal with people like that because they don't believe in God. And I don't know. We don't got to be stressed out. We just got to breathe. (laughs) Ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and just tell the truth. Tell the truth. It's either going to be received or it's going to be rejected. But as the scripture says, you will deliver your own soul by making sure you're obedient to what the Lord has called you to do. The saving is his job. The witnessing is ours. Amen. We need to be real about that. We need to be. There needs to be a hunger. There needs to be a strong desire. Like, Lord, man, let make my life count for something. We want our lives to count. We don't want to come to the end of our race and the Lord just like, Man, you just piddled away 68 years of your life. You didn't even do anything. And I'm not saying it's about works, but what I'm saying is it's the inward change is so strong and apparent that it affects everything you do. And it, it, it infiltrates every area of your life because the power of the Holy Spirit is just pulsing through you. It's something that you can't explain, but you just do it because you're led. You're led. That's a great thing. All right, here we go. Uh, 10 and 11. The third angel blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the water became Wormwood. And many people died from drinking from the water because it had been made bitter. So we see that a great star fell from heaven, and it, it was like a burning torch. This third trumpet. This trumpet judgment is like the second, except it affects the world's freshwater lakes and rivers instead of the oceans. Specifically, a great star blazing like a torch falls from the sky and poisons a third of the water supply. This may be associated with a comet or meteor again crashing into the earth and bringing ecological disaster. We see this word wormwood. Wormwood is a very bitter substance and a proverbial for bitterness and sadness. And this is real. In botany, wormwood 
is a shrub-like plant noted for its extreme bitterness and poisonous properties. Again, you just see, you see the revelation of God all through just life. It's there. People who are into plants, they know what wormwood is. If they're deep into it, they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of wormwood. I don't know what wormwood is. I don't want to have no <laughs> experience with it. I ain't drinking that water. <laughs> but this is real. And it says a third of the rivers and a third of the waters, the proportion of ecological disaster stays the same. In each one of the trumpets, a third of an ecological system is destroyed in judgment. Again, the application. Once again, we see the Lord's mercy his desire is to see his creation turn back to him. Now on the surface, some will say, how is this mercy? God is destroying one third of the earth. God bless you. He's destroying one third of the earth. How is this mercy? Well, those critics answered their own question. <laughs> At this time, he's only destroying one third instead of the whole planet. This is why it's so important for people today to not be hardening their hearts when they hear that still small voice. If people do, when they go before him, they will have no excuse and will deserve every bit of wrath coming upon them. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot and his wife, right? Lot got away. What happened to his wife? <laughs> she turned to a pillar of salt. Why'd she turn to a pillar of salt? Because she looked back. The angel said, get out of here. Do not look back. Why did she look back? Because her heart was there. She wasn't committed. There was something there that she longed for more than the Lord. And even though Lot was in the predicament he was in, the Lot was with the Lord. He had just made some poor choices. Again, the visuals, right? Oh, that place looks better. I'm going there. Uh, yeah, you went there, but it's super not good. But his wife, oh man, poor woman. She looked back and that was it. That's a clear warning for us today. Keep your eye. Focus on Christ. Laser focus like a sniper. <laughs> I'm honed in, zoned in. Got the red dot on Christ. I'm not getting off of him. All right, Revelation 8. 12 through 13, and we'll, we're, we're ending our service with these last two uh, verses. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. A third of the day did not shine and likewise the night. Now, this does not describe a one-third lessening of light, but a one-third of the day and night are plunged into absolute darkness. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Oh, that's I, I just, it, 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 you, don't, you just don't want to go there, you know? It's like, how sad is that going to be, you know? People flipping out over a pandemic and over masks and over vaccines. That's what I'm saying. That's what I keep saying. This is nothing compared to what is going to pop off, man. When a third of the day gone, that, that right there is going to cause many people to just go insane. They're going to lose it. 
They're going to lose it. They're going to lose it because it's outside, it's outside of them. They can't control it. They can't control it. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet. The angels' woes are well-founded because one-third of the earth's population will die in the next three trumpets. The ancient Greek word for angel and eagle are very close in spelling. Some ancient versions say that it is an eagle flying through the midst of heaven making this cry. And lastly, we see here, looking at these first four trumpets. The first four trumpets reveal the severity of God's judgment. He attacks all the ordinary means of substance, such as food and water. He attacks all the ordinary means of comfort and knowledge, such as light and the regular rhythm of days. During the Great Tribulation, God proclaims his lordship through their organized disruption. We know that great humility that, come, that comes upon people in the midst of something like an earthquake because they know this is something that is out of their hands. And, 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 and an earthquake or a natural disaster humbles people. With these first four trumpets, trumpets excuse me, that effect will be multiplied greatly. Lastly, let us not overlook that the first four trumpets also reveal the mercy of God's judgment. These are partial judgments striking only one third and meant to warn and lead a rebellious world to repentance before the final curtain. For now, God spares more than he smites. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you that Lord, we, we still live in the dispensation of grace, though we see that these signs are ever clear more and more, and we are coming to the end of this age. There's no doubt about it. Father, while you give us time, while we're still alive living in this time, may we be of great usage to you. May we be those that are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we take it serious to call upon our lives. For you are going to hold us accountable for what we did with the usage of the time that you've given us. Let us not piddle away and waste away the moments that you've given. But may we redeem the days and redeem the time and utilize it for your honor and for your glory. We don't have to be weirdos and beat people over the head with the Bible. We just need to have your love for people. And we really need to have concern for those around us. That it, that it, that it bothers us that people don't know you. That we want to be used for your purposes so that you could turn back and save one. There's 99 that are there that are saved, but you come back for the one. May we be used to just tell that one person. I know we all know one person that comes to our mind right now. I pray that if we need to go to that house sometime soon, today maybe even, after this service, or make that phone call, that we would reach out, that we wouldn't shriek back, that the enemy would not convince us that, oh, we could wait another day, or it's all not that important. Oh, no, the Lord will get a hold of them. Hey, why not use us? We're available. Father, please help us to see clearly the impact that you want to have through our lives. It doesn't matter how young, how old. It doesn't matter if we're learned and educated. It's not about that. It's about a humility to know you and to want to do your will. So, Father, please, I pray that this would be a reality in our hearts 
Would you empower us with the strength of the Holy Spirit to do so, knowing that the power that raised your son, Jesus Christ, from the dead lives inside of us. Father, I thank you and I praise you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen.